This is the Loyal to the Game podcast, brought to you by 613U.com. All right, it has been a while since the last Loyal to the Game podcast, but welcome back, everyone, to episode nine. I'm joined, as always, by Jaden and Caleb. We've got a lot to talk about. A lot has gone down in the world of 613 basketball, NBA basketball, and uh, definitely summer league basketball as well. So let's start here. I mean, we haven't seen each other, haven't talked in a while, at least on, on a recorded format. So what's new with you guys, Jay? What have you been up to? Oh, you know, I've actually been uh, been helping Caleb out uh, with his uh, 613 stuff and um, a little bit at his camp. So uh, really just diving into the local hoops and and, uh, and and just gearing back up for, for basketball season, I guess, um, after the little break that we took. But, yeah, basketball season's right around the corner, and I'm, and I'm super pumped for it. Hey, you know what they say, basketball never stops. Caleb, how are you doing, man? Well, I'm pretty good. Last time I saw you guys in person, you saw what happened to me. I uh, realized that I, you know, my 35-year-old ankles are more like 7-year-old ankles. I got, uh, well, had a little injury there, so – you know, it's been tough to coach with that, but uh, getting getting back to it. Uh, miss my family, though. As you guys know, I uh, took a little break. My family is uh, my wife and two daughters. Claire, Ava, and Nora are still in Sault Ste. Marie, hanging out with uh, or on, on the beach by the lake there. Uh, so it's it's been weird. It's kind of like I'm back and I'm like 21, 22 again, kind of living on my own of a bachelor life so the the house is messy uh there's not a lot of food in the cupboards um but i'm i'm surviving you know a little bit better than i probably would have done back then uh and of course yeah as you said basketball never really stops uh been been diving in uh even more with uh more youth hoops Uh, i haven't been thinking much about about the uh post-secondary but our our loyalist teams i've been really focused on on local hoops and i've had the uh the privilege of having you guys there to uh, to help me out with everything we're doing locally. So it's uh it's been a while I missed missed doing doing these podcasts, but uh back ready ready for more. Yeah, you know bachelor living, frozen pizza five nights a week. I feel you. Um, but you mentioned <laughs> it there, and that's where actually where we're gonna start. We got a lot on the agenda today. Uh, we're gonna talk local hoops. We're gonna recap summer league. Uh, give some thoughts about the Olympics and the basketball that took place there. And then we're going to dive into uh, an analysis of the free agency and, and the free agent offseason that the ha- has happened in the NBA so far. But uh, you mentioned it there, Caleb. So let's start with that. How are the 613 camps going? I know you were doing the uh, Young Bucket Getters camp and you said that Exist camp as well. So talk about that a little bit. Well, yeah, this has been, you know, certainly a unique summer uh, with with all the, the COVID uh, protocols and somehow uh, miraculously we've had three different basketball camps uh, with our 613 group. You know, you guys were a part of, of our uh, boys and girls camps uh, that were in, in July. Um, but this is the first year we tackled uh, a youth, a youth camp. So for kids that aren't, aren't in uh, high school yet. And um, honestly, the energy was amazing. Like, and I feel like it's so important to kind of start them off on on the right foot and the the main concept was just building that love for the game we're trying to to share our love for the game and, and getting them passionate about about playing and you know i i put a lot of pressure on on myself to 
start them off on the right foot. And I really want to make sure that our kids had a, a solid uh, set of fundamentals that they can continue to build off of, which if you guys recall of your young days of hooping, you know, all you want to do is, is play, play games. Right. And it, it's a, it's a fine line to, you know, try and keep it fun, but also cover the fundamentals. So I, I'm sure day one, there were some kids that were thinking, you know, we didn't, we didn't quite play enough, but I, you know, I'm pretty stubborn in that before we can, you know, start playing some five on five full court, we need to understand how to play or at least cover the basics. So we did, you know, about an hour of dribbling and, and some passing in there, another, you know, half an hour of, of shooting and most importantly like the focus was was stance just being in that athletic position which applies to all aspects of basketball so uh, day one although i thought the material we were doing might not have been uh that exciting i thought the kids uh did a great job of, of staying engaged uh, and credit to the the staff we had there that you know were super enthusiastic and trying to keep it fun for the kids um, so, so some of the staff, uh, I should name drop. We have, uh, coach Deja, who's going to be playing with the Lancers this year. We had, uh, coach Kara, who's also going to be playing with, with the Lancers. Um, of course, uh, you know, everyone knows coach, coach Brian from his County Clippers days. And, uh, so him, uh, we had actually, a, one of our 613 Spiders girls, uh, Charlotte Farrell was there helping coach. Um, and then, you know, what else is really cool is that we just had passionate, uh, members of the community that just would pop into the gym on, on different days just to volunteer their time and help out because uh, that's the one thing that I really love about our community is, is we have a lot of like-minded people that are just you know that really love the game and want to see the game uh, continue to grow in our area and our our athletes uh, be you know be prepared or you know have as much opportunity to excel as possible so Overall, I know that's a long-winded response, but it was it was a lot of fun, and it, it kind of gets me back to my my roots of when I got into coaching. I'd always do summer camps uh, with either the Loyalist uh, Lancers when I was a player there, and even before I was a player there when I was in high school, and also helping at my my high school with uh, Leanne Woodley's um, Queen Saints summer camps. And yeah, see, you know, there's so many kids now are like they're they have a lot more in their bag than than I than I did, and even the ones that have never played before, uh, their their enthusiasm always always amazing me. There was a, you know so many kids that I met for the first time this week that uh, just brought a lot of joy to to the gym and uh, kind of energized me with uh, with with their passion. So uh, we'll definitely do it again. We'll do another youth camp next year, and uh, I hope. Uh, I hope we get all of these kids back and, and even more, but it was, it was great. You know, that's, that's awesome to hear. And, and I certainly agree. Even the camp I was at with you like a month ago, I mean, the kids, like when they started listening off that they were going into grade six, into grade seven, and, and the, like you said, the bag they had, I was shocked. So, I mean, the Bay of Quinney basketball seems to be in uh, pretty good hands with these, uh, the young guns going forward. Um, you also mentioned it there. You have some AAU going on with uh, the 613 Spiders girls and boys programs as well. So how those goes? I saw some uh, Instagram videos of some of the boys getting buckets and the girls getting buckets as well. So what, how was that? 
Well, um, so credit to uh, to Tim Farrell and Kevin McGuire for um, basically doing doing the legwork uh, for our 613 Spiders girls team. They found a tournament um, that we had a group of girls that were you know interested in going. Uh, so they they basically yeah did did all the the hard work the uh, the behind the scenes stuff and they just you know asked me to be a part of it and, and help them coach. But it was it was certainly a a collaborative effort um, so we took a group of uh well it was a u16 group so we had five girls that are going into um grade 10 and five girls that are going into grade 11 and we went and played at the, yeah, the hoop queens tournament in vaughn uh the gta sports flex which is an amazing facility i think there was six courts there all full size uh and you know, going in, we knew or we had a feeling that there was going to be some tough competition. Uh, and like most of these other teams, we hadn't played together and we didn't really have any practices. These girls were, um, you know, they were they were working out together once a week. Uh, and, you know, we tried to put in a couple of concepts or some things to play through. But really, it was most it wasn't team development stuff they were doing. So being thrown into the fire. Uh, and trying to figure it out on the fly was, was certainly a challenge, but I can't express enough how proud I was to be a part of this group. They were um, tough as hell, which is something, you know, we always break the huddle with and just say, you know, tough on three. Um, they, yeah, they refused to quit and they, they were, they knew what it was about, you know, like they just wanted to get better. They just were so eager to play. It's been so long since they've competed. And uh, so we ended up being competitive in, in three out of the four games. Uh, so we went two and two um, to the games. You know, we, we, we played very well. The third game, it was, it was a pretty skilled team. They, they ended up beating us by 10, I think. Um, and they, yeah, they were, they were really good, but I think our team would have, if we played, you know, one of our better games, we, I think we could have, at least been to, there down the, to the end. Um, and then um, this is where I was actually most proud of our team. We played a group of girls, a uh, team called Become One, and they play in the Under Armour AAU circuit in the States. So they've been playing for at least in a month or two. Uh, that's some high level competition in the States. And then they came to this tournament, uh, Roland. And these girls on their team, you know, they're, they're under 16, but they are all around 5'11 to six feet tall, you know, very good athletes, super aggressive and have great like ball skills. And they were, and they didn't go easy on us. In fact, I, I think it was about 14 to nothing before we got the ball advanced past our like three point line. Uh, they, they pressed us and they pressed us hard. Now, I think a little of it was because, you know, we never really experienced that kind of intensity before uh so they were really really good the, you know these are girls that are probably in it, like if they're not already playing on a team ontario then i'm sure they will be but there's some girls on that team that i assume will be suiting up for team canada um and be getting looks from d1 schools uh, in, in a year or two so uh awesome experience for our girls to see what the top level of athletes are at the um, in basketball right now and you know we we got better as the game went on. Uh, it, it was pretty ugly in the first half. And as I said, they did not take it easy on us, but our girls once again did not quit and, and they knew what was up. You know, they just wanted to get better and they stuck together um, and we were in pot, you know, good spirits when we left. And I think it just added to their, 
to their fire to to continue to work on their games. So that was super awesome. Uh, once again, thanks to, to everyone that helped uh, organize that. Um, so, you know, I selfishly, I, I got to coach again, you know, and that, that it's been a while for me that I've coached the, the game with, with refs and you guys would be proud, Jack and Jay, no texts from this, from your boy, work, the, boy. work the officials a little bit, but respectfully. Um, I was disappointed. I came, to, <laughs> I came to watch one of your games and I was very disappointed because there's, I think there was one or two times we talked about it afterwards, but um, if, going on the record, there are one or two times where Caleb could have really laid into the rep and, and, and he just, just laid off and, and, uh, and, and showed it, showed his, uh, showed his patience in a very respectable manner. So I got to give that one to you. Uh, you were wrong some of the times, which I mean, I, I, we talked, like I said, we talked about it afterwards, but overall, like, like you said, the girls like really played their heart outs and they were very competitive out there. Um, and, and you could see that in their body language and um, just their demeanor on the court. And they, they really wanted to, um, they, they, they were playing like they, um, that, that they really wanted to win. Well, and interesting, I got to, I got to share actually, Jack, I don't know if we, we told you, but Jaden is stepped up in my book. Jaden came across town just to come and watch us play. He ended up hanging out with me the, the night before the tournament. And uh, we went and we got a bunch of buckets at Dave and Buster's uh, the, the day before. We had a, we had a great night. Um, it was really unique. I haven't done that in, in ages. And uh, we started doing some uh, some top three lists. And anyway, so I just wanted like it was so cool to have, have, have Jay there as well, kind of supporting our team. And then you know being a sounding board for me af afterwards. And you know I always need someone to vent to that is kind of removed from the team. You know I can't just go up to the the players or the, the parents of the players and uh you know i it's, it's not a good look for me to to uh you know complain about the referees or whatever the circumstances are now i need someone that's kind of neutral so uh no it was it's really great to have have jay there um and of course like the all the uh the parents and the family and the friends that came to support uh the, the girls was uh yeah it was almost like old times so that was awesome um the other thing is that kind of lit the fire for a boys group around here. And I, I got to say, you know, the guys, unfortunately, they, you know, there's not as much organization on the, on the male side uh, for, for local, local hoops. Um, and I feel for them. Uh, but I think they saw the girls playing a tournament and they were just like, you know, forget this. Like we got to find a tournament for us to play in. And, you know, I always say, like, I, I got their back and I'll help them in whatever way I could. So a couple of the guys that took the lead on setting up uh, or, or registering for this mm -hmm. tournament that was last weekend, um, I'll tell them this. So they they know I didn't have a lot of faith that they would actually be able to get everything organized and arranged. So I told them, though, if they did and they, they wanted me to help out and coach, I, I would be there for them. So, of course, it's going down to, like, Wednesday. You know, we're supposed to play on the Friday, apparently. Wednesday night, I hadn't really heard anything. And I, okay, like, and my ankle is killing me at that point. It's the day after the day that I hurt the ankle. I'm like, this is probably isn't going to happen. And then, yeah, sure enough, like Wednesday at 10 p.m., they forward me the schedule. No, we're, we're all good to go. Uh, are, you, are you coming to coach? And I said, well, you know, I, I gave you guys my word. I, I'm in. Um, the thing is, I couldn't drive. I, my foot was killing me. So, I had to reach out to some of the guys from the Buckets and Beers League, and uh, luckily Davis uh, Davis Maskey stepped up and he 
decided to be assistant coach and also my my chauffeur for the weekend. And we went and coached a group of uh, a group of guys, uh, about seven local guys. And then we picked up two. I used to call them imports. Two guys from uh, Durham area, I guess. Uh, and we went in and now, you know, the girls didn't have a lot of practice time or like uh, systems or anything. The guys had even less. I don't think these guys have ever even played five on five together before, other than maybe at the wellness center. Um, a couple of them play on the same high school team, but there was, I think, of the seven guys, I think we had four different high schools being represented. And then the two random guys that I had never met. Uh, so what a unique coaching experience i will say i've never been in in that with no systems uh you know no no offense no inbounds no history of playing together uh going into a a tournament that i knew you know nothing really about uh and in these so this was at the playground in durham um which is a new facility as well another six courts but there's no barriers between the courts. So it is loud as heck. There's a lot going on. The refs can't even hear the score table when like the horn goes off. Um, they're missing, like the refs are missing guys at a substitution table. They can't hear me call like my timeouts. It's, it is a really unique experience to, to go into. And I'm not making excuses because it's, you know, even if I had my absolute best coaching experience, I, uh, or brought my A game, um, you know, we, we certainly lost fair, fair and square, uh, but it was, it was different. And once again, I was really happy with, with the, the guys, uh, just their, just their overall attitude. I think kind of like the girls, they just really wanted to go and play. They didn't really, you know, give a, give a shit whether, whether they were going to, you know, have individual success or team success. They just wanted to go in and get those reps. And, um, we our first two games were were a little little rough, but really we were in them at, at halftime. We were competing, and then fatigue and and chemistry and a little disorganization I think came into play, and we we ended up you know losing pretty handily those first two games. But then on Sunday we had two more games scheduled. Two of our two imports just didn't show up, uh, so we were left with just the seven local guys, and I think we got a lot of skill. Like, you know, each guy has, has a certain moves in their bag that they uh, that they bring to the table. But what we didn't have um, a lot of athleticism or size. We were, we were undersized uh, really bad. So we uh, so Davis and I on the on the way up, we're like, we just got to like think outside the box here. And what can we do to to kind of hide, like hide our, our flaws and give, put these guys in position to be successful. So we threw a whole bunch of different junk defenses out. And like we, our last game, we went a diamond and one. We didn't know any of the other team, but we had a player that was pretty good on ball defender and four, four guys that were pretty good off ball. So we just said our best on ball defender, go, we just picked their point guard, like go face guard them and we'll see if they can figure out this diamond and one. Um, and sure enough, like, they did not figure out our diamond one. We were we were hanging around all game, and then uh, I think it was about five or six minutes left, and we were down. I think we were down like twelve, and we just said, "Let's go for it!" Like, what do we got to lose? So then we just we, we put in a whole bunch of different pressures. We had like a trail trap going. We did a half court trap, and we did uh, a full court um, 
trap as well. And once again, these guys, have, you know, I don't think I've coached any of them before, actually. So they don't really understand my my coaching philosophy. Not a lot of people do. I'm pretty crazy and uh, switching things all the time. But anyways, they, you know, they, they did their best. And was it perfect? And were we coordinated? Like, were we always in the right spots? No, but just with sheer effort and um, an attitude, we, we came back and we got, we got within, I think, three or, or four with, with a minute left um, by forcing a bunch of turnovers. And then our guys' confidence started to get up and, and uh, our bench was, was really getting into it. So a lot of those highlights you see from that last game on our, on our run uh, come back. And it was really cool because the guys were inspired at the end, even though we lost, you know, losing by six, uh, they were, they were inspired and it, it showed what like, what teamwork can really, really do for you because I don't think we had one player that was really outstanding, but um, we, we had a lot of pretty good players and they learned that we can't go against the other teams with these, you know, really good athletes one on one. We can't play their game. We have to win with team basketball. And I think that's what, what our, our guys began to, to figure out at the end. And uh, yeah, we played our, our very best, very best game at the end. Uh, and one of the coaches, uh, one of the other teams came over to our group at the end and just complimented us for, you know, for what, for what our, what we did. And that, that meant a lot. So um, once again, unique experience. And I was really happy to be able to help the guys out. We got a lot of, a lot of local guys uh, in the area that are super passionate about hoops that share the, you know, the same mentality that, that we do. Um, so I was happy to, to help them out. And I'm so glad I, I went. It was a, it was a great experience. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, shout out to them for organizing that, like almost without your knowledge and stuff, like just wanting, having that want and drive to just play a high level basketball. And that, cause that's the only way you're going to improve ultimately. I mean, you have to get the in-game reps at that level if you're going to expect to excel at that level. Um, with that being said though, what's next for, for these kids, the girls and boys and the young ones, what's next for the 613 program? Sorry. Well, um, sorry, sorry, Caleb, but before, oh, you, go ahead. before you answer that, um, I just wanted to say, like, while you're like talking about the the tournament and you going to coach these guys that you've never coached before, and just these different, um, you gotta get used to these different personalities, mm-hmm. these different players that have different bags. It kind of reminded me of the movie Bad News Bears with <laughs> Billy Bob Thornton, where you know you're, you're you're coaching a bunch of misfits and you got to figure out how to to put them together. But that's sorry, that just came to my mind. And no, that it's funny you say that because you know these guys, like I, I see them in the gym and. I'm not the most serious. I'm serious about competing, but you know, like I like to joke around with them and I, I gladly would call them misfits, but they're like, they're my misfits. You know, like I, I, it, like I, I think all of them are, are you know, they, they, they crack me up. And uh, I think at least we're, we're honest with each other, you know, like we can call them misfits here, but I would say the same thing to them and, and they know what's up. And I'm pretty sure I said that on the bench a couple of times might've been harsh, but I told them, listen, guys, we don't have, anyone that's good enough to kind of single-handedly lead us back this has got to be a collective effort uh but uh jack i got to name drop one of your boys you know uh miguel he he kind of sparked the comeback for us he was playing great defense and you saw one of his and ones on the uh, on the clips there um so he was he was a catalyst for our, our comeback and also uh another 613 camp guy carter carter lee went off for at least at least a dozen points in the second half, which is a lot considering we scored, uh, you know, 42, I think, total. So we got you know, a dozen in the second half. And then a guy that I hadn't seen much of, uh, Ben Silva, 6'3", 6'4", uh, showed me some 
some moves in his bag that I, I, I did not know he had. And uh, I think he's, he's very skilled. So it was cool to see what, you know, it's one thing to see the guys in the gym shooting around, you know, and playing with their buddies. But then what happens when you play against somebody that's trying to punk you, right? And I thought, once again, that these guys, once they kind of got used to the speed, um, then they started playing their games. And they, they showed me, you know, more, or for the most part, most of them showed me something that I didn't know they had, which was, which was really cool. Um, got sidetracked there. But I, I just get so excited about when, you know, guys that, that put in the work uh, are having some success in the court. It's really, really fun. Um, but you asked about what's next. So we were supposed to run our 613 development program in, in spring before COVID shut us down. There's something certainly unique that I was really looking forward to doing. Um, and something a lot of put, I put a lot of thought into about how to get these kids um, competing at a higher level. And I don't mean, you know, post-secondary, that that's certainly the goal down the road, but I mean competing at a higher level right now and just getting used to these kind of uh, pressure environments. So that's what we're trying to do with the, the 613 development program. It'll be weekly. Um, so we'll have a, a girls development program and a boys development program. The idea is getting them to, to pretty much, it's like a competitive house league, but with a little bit of structure or, a well, a fair bit of structure, you know? So we'll have two hours or an hour and a half in the gym. Um, and we'll put in some simple concepts for the first, uh, first 15 minutes and ask them to play a certain, certain style and they'll just you know really kind of embrace the the 613 system of of uh of hooping um through games um and then the idea being when the opportunity comes to go to another tournament we already have a system in place these guys have already played together um they're ready to go so i know we have our aau tournaments in the summer that we'd like to bring our spider teams to but maybe there's something, you know, over the holidays, maybe there's a fall. Um, so maybe we can get them into like a couple of uh, OBA tournaments as like a non-sanctioned team and just get them out to play, but with a little bit more, more chemistry. So um, that's super, super exciting. I just started adding some, uh, some info about it on, on the, our website, 613u.com. I put out a couple, uh, couple ads to uh, the groups on our on an Instagram account and uh, yeah we're hoping to get about 20 to I mean 30 would be amazing but probably about around 20 players uh, interested in, in competing on a weekly basis and then uh, and then, yeah being being ready ready to roll so it's kind of like our uh, it's 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 a part of our you know our, our big vision for for hoops in the in the area is just getting them you know playing more games really um, and I'm looking for uh, a few more coaches to help out because, you know, my coaching style may not be perfect for everybody. So uh, more hands on deck uh, would always help. So Jay and Jack, when you guys, you know, are, are ready, uh, you can come through and uh, teach them, you know, Jack, maybe uh, that awesome defense that you got and, and Jay, maybe some of that back to the basket, little post passing game that you were showing the other day. No, I mean, these kids are certainly extremely lucky to have this opportunity to play uh, in the summer and throughout the uh, throughout the school year. I mean, they're really lucky to have you, Caleb, as a, putting yourself out there and putting yourself um, in a position to help them succeed even further. So shout out to you and shout out to the kids for uh, being willing, willing players and willing uh, to compete at the highest level they can. Um, so that basically wraps up our local hoops uh, section of the pod today. Um, now we're going to jump into a little bit more of the pro circuit. 
a little bit of NBA Summer League action that just went down uh, this last month. We saw the Sacramento Kings capture the Summer League crown over the Boston Celtics, um, with Sacramento becoming the only team ever with multiple Summer League victories. So I guess that's something to uh, shout them out for. Um, we're just going to take a short break uh, due to Zoom limitations, and we'll be right back to jump right into the Summer League. All right, we are back after that short break to uh, refresh our Zoom call here. Um, and we're back to talk about Summer League here. So we had, it was a pretty exciting Summer League, all things considered. Um, we saw some veterans actually play in it. We saw Kenneth Fareed, Michael Beasley actually uh, get some time in the Summer League. And then we also got to see, of course, the rookies and sophomores and the young players do their thing. Uh, the young players looked quite good, if I do say so myself. I thought it, they looked like a promising uh, young cast of rookies and sophomores so i'll start with jay what was your biggest takeaway from summer league well i have two but um for right now i guess i will stick with um the atlanta hawks um two two major draft picks uh, in this year's draft and that's uh, shreve cooper and jalen johnson they were both they were both on fire and they were lighting up summer league like crazy and i have the stats here so um shreve cooper was averaged 20 points a game the Atlanta Hawks. Now, if you slide him into the to the Hawks lineup right now, I think that he would fit perfectly, and I think that he would look great um, coming off the bench for the uh, for the young Atlanta Hawks squad. I think if him and Jalen Johnson both come off the bench, I think that would I think that would not only sell a lot of tick tickets, but that would win them a lot of games as well. I think that their style of play and, and the way that um, they're hustling after every ball. They can shoot the lights out. Um, the, I think that they both perfectly fit the, the Hawks style of play. And they both have um, the body stature um, of, an, of an NBA player. Now, they will get stronger over time like, like all players do. But for right now, I think that they can both make this, this Hawks roster um, and really excel at their positions. Yeah, definitely. I mean, watch out for the Hawks. I mean, they had a surprise season making the Eastern Conference Finals. And with these two guys adding to their bench with uh, Reddish and Lou Will uh, returning, I know he's a little old, but what a veteran to uh, lead these guards. Like, uh, I mean, the Hawks are going to be uh, a team to watch out for going forward for sure. Um, Caleb, I'll throw it to you now. What was your biggest takeaway? Just how great it is to have it back. I was uh, in Sault Ste. Marie, but I would throw on NBA TV every morning or afternoon, and there would always be a game on. And the guys that I remember from either last year or the year before uh, that had some run in the tournament or uh, just, you know, we're playing overseas and we're back trying out, like, you know, something's on the line. I know the star players that are drafted, uh, you know, top 10, a lot of teams kind of where, you know, they're like, they put the, the clamps on them after a few games and shut them down because they, you know, they want to handle them with care and don't want them getting hurt because they know they're going to make the roster. But they're, you know, there's maybe two extra roster spots that are up for grabs uh, per team, maybe. And these guys that are getting those minutes are all trying to find, find a role. And maybe not with the team they're playing summer league for, but they're trying to put film together for another team maybe you know that they can go and show well here's what I was able to do uh, I deserve you know a, a two-way contract or whatever and one interesting thing I, I heard on I mean I listened to so many other podcasts but was that like 
the teams aren't necessarily, or most teams aren't looking for a guy that, you know, average 25 per game, right? Most teams have their star in line. So you see guys putting up mad numbers in summer league. It doesn't mean they're going to get a, a, a job in the NBA because that's not what teams need. They need those role players. Like I, I keep going back to the Suns, but you know, the guys like Jay Crowder, Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, um, these are the guys that teams are, are looking for, you know, to complement their stars. So although some, we, there's going to be a couple of guys after the summer league that make a roster that only averaged like 10 points, right. Uh, on their summer league team that get a chance. And, you know, some people may be like, what? Like, I don't even, wasn't that impressed, but it's, do they do like one or two things? Well, can they play some, some minutes? So it's pretty cool when something's on the line, like your job's on the line. So it does really matter. Um, and then in terms of specifics, uh, I, I liked, uh, Alperin Shangun, uh, the, you know, the not Jokic style, but, uh, he's kind of like cancer in a way, not the, quite the offensive rebound, a little bit more skill, but just, you know, a, a guy that if basketball was only played at one end of the court, like this guy would be a legend, <laughs> um, but no, he, he was really fun. And, uh, I thought he was actually a little bit better defensively than as, as advertised. Um, and, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of good athletes, uh, in, in it. So it's just, I was really happy to have it back. Like my biggest takeaway was just, it was a lot of fun watching it. And I got, uh, Brian and, uh, and Thomas and, you know, anyone, uh, that was around, uh, kind of interested in it as well. So more basketball is always good for me. Yeah, no, I certainly agree with that. It was so good to have it back. And it, I love the like tournament feel of it too. Like they're all playing in like UNLV and it's just a couple of gyms. They play right after each other. And I just like the best teams play at the end of the, like whoever goes 4-0 and 4-0 like play each other. I just love that like tournament feel, even though it's like the, the best players in the world, essentially minus. And, a lot of the, and then the cool thing is a lot of the, their teammates come to the games to watch, you know, like mm-hmm. LeBron was there. I mean, the whole ball family was, was chilling. Um, so no, a lot of like, uh, I think, you know, Paul George and Kawhi were there. They just walked into the arena. So it's, uh, that's a really good point there. Yeah. Well, speaking of the balls, that's actually my biggest, biggest takeaway. I mean, call me a hater. Uh, if you want to, I was not, I was not a big ball family guy. Um, I mean like Lonzo, he certainly took a step up this year and LaMelo, I mean, he's looking like he's going to be a really good player, but there was the third ball who I was very, very, very low on, and that was Leangelo. I really, really thought he was kind of only getting looks from G League teams because of his last name and stuff like that. And then he comes out for the Hornets and plays great for what, like he he shoots the lights out for what he want, like wanted to do. He wasn't that bad defensively. Like he proved a lot of people, including myself, very wrong uh, during this summer league. And I mean, it, it, I'm hesitant to say he'll get a roster spot just because of how competitive it is. Um, but if you're a ball family fan going forward, how can you not be excited? I mean, Leandro ball, he had that one game, 16 points in like eight minutes or something like that. He hit the one deep, deep buzzer beater. He looked great for Charlotte. And so shout out to Leandro for proving me and a lot of people wrong. Uh, that was certainly my biggest takeaway when it came to players, I would say. Um, but of course we are an Ontario located podcast. So we, we, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the Raptors at least a little bit. Uh, what did you guys think of the Raptors and their summer league uh, experience? And specifically, what did you think of Scotty Barnes? Jay, I'll throw it to you first. You know, I, I've, I've already, you guys have already heard a lot of me today. So Jay, you go first. I, I love Scotty Barnes and, and he really reminded me of an OG Ananobi. He'll hit his shot if he's open, 
he he can rebound, he can defend, he can block, he can he can do all the things that you want a good player to do, but you can't count on him to get the big buckets. Like he's not a scorer, obviously. He's just an all around, like great, like good player, defensive player. He's not he's not an offensive threat. Now on the other hand, you have Malachi Flynn, who really lit it up, and and you can just see how much his confidence has grown from from last year to this year. And I know that in the crossover, I believe the the pro am he he had thirty six or, or forty points or something like that. So um, and and even in the summer league, he was lighting it up for the Raptors. But you can just see he's confident with the ball. He's confident. He's confident in the shots that he's taking, and he's found the spots on the floor where he'll be able to get his best looks and, and will be able to make them. So um, we, we talk about all the great players getting to their spot, whether it's, whether it's Shaq on the left block or it's Kobe at the elbow or it's, or it's Dirk in the post. You, you see Malachi Flynn getting to his spot where he knows that he can hit that, uh, that shot with the utmost confidence and, and he knows that it's most likely going to go in. So that was great to see. And we're going to need a lot of that this season um, up in Toronto. And hopefully that they'll be coming back. But um, this, this Raptors team will definitely need his scoring prowess. Um, and, and they're going to need Scotty Barnes to, to step it up defensively. No, I, I think that's a great point you made about Malachi because he, he kind of flew a bit under the radar. But with Kyle being shipped out to, to South Beach, I think it's a perfect opportunity to, for him to step into that backup role if Dragic isn't going to be a main part of the rotation for the entire year. Uh, Caleb, what do you think of the Raptors Summer League? Well, I'll, you know, I, I love this culture that the Raptors are, are building. You know, even in Summer League, which some people don't take very seriously, and um, I... I find that the Raptors expected to win and they still had an identity when they're playing. And now they have this prototype that they're trying to get on their roster with, you know, almost if you're not six, nine, like <laughs> they're not looking at you unless you play the one uh, with, with Scotty Barnes, uh, Delano Banton and uh, a guy I'm going to get into a little bit later uh, or talk about a little bit later is uh, Ishmael Wainwright. Um, they just have this, yeah, this confidence and toughness that they're going to defend and like they expect to win. And um, yeah, I just, I love their attitude. It, it's, it comes you know, they, it just shows a strong organization that it is a consistent message from the top, top down uh, and some, yeah, some really intriguing pieces. And Jack, like this must go right into your book. Like how passionate or how happy are you that your team really embraces the, the defensive identity. Oh my gosh. It's amazing. I, and I was just sort of getting that too. Like Scotty Barnes, man. Oh my goodness. He made the hair on the back of my neck stand up, especially in that, like in that first game when he picks the guard on at half court and goes down and dunks, hit a couple jumpers. I mean, to me, he's exactly like, you can talk all you want about Suggs. Suggs is polished. He, he looks like a great player already, but like for the, what the Raptors are trying to build right now, man, what a good pick. Like, Six nine, it's super athletic. I mean, the 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 shot blocking and the, the lateral movement really impressed me. And and how about his first uh, his first three that he hit nails in summer in summer league in like the second quarter. And then he's like going back. He's like yeah, like screaming at his defender. Like I loved his intensity. I, I'm I'm a huge Scotty Barnes fan already. I think he's gonna 
slot into that like backup three backup four position perfectly for them he's kind of like like jay said he's like a, an og and an ob type um i think he's going to be an elite defender in this league going forward and I, i'm super excited i mean i loved watching them all summer league and it was awesome uh shout out to my boy freddie gillespie as well uh he still to this day manages to tip every single rebound on the offensive end even if he doesn't come down with it it, it touches his hands at some point um so that was oh, awesome boy. Jack, I don't think he's going to be a Raptor for much longer, man. I think Summer League was not a good look for him. You may be right about getting his hands on them, but that guy can't finish. No, was, I, I was very surprised. That was another takeaway on the negative end. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I agree. I, I'm kind of getting my, like, my, like a eulogy out here with the shout out to Freddie Gillespie <laughs> because I, I, I think he'll end up hopefully on a roster in the NBA on one of these, like, teams that is really thin at the five position, maybe as a third stringer or something like that. But, I mean, I loved him last year, and, and he didn't look the best in summer league. But, I mean, going forward, I think he'll, he's going to be an NBA player. But that kind of wraps up my thoughts on summer league. Do you guys have any last uh, last things you wanted to add in there? Or uh, All right. Well, with that, let's move into another kind of tournament-style uh, basketball that was going on. And that's, of course, the Tokyo 2020 Olympics uh, that took place um, over the last month in a bit. Uh, we saw the Olympic basketball podiums. Uh, they're filled in by uh, the states winning gold for men and women, uh, Japan getting the silver for the women's, and then the French getting the bronze. Uh, France also medaled uh, with the silver in the men's. And then I'm totally blanking on who got the bronze in the men's division as well right now. Um, but it was awesome to watch the Olympics. Um, what were your guys' biggest takeaways from the beginning of the Olympics versus the end? That the... U.S. team still has a bunch of, you know, of guys like they weren't I, when it comes to winning time, you, you take the best player on the floor. And that's that's Kevin Durant. He's not going to let them lose. And then also like Levine and Booker playing some defense was uh, was interesting. And I think actually at least the most recent uh, memory from from me or like the biggest takeaway I had when it ended was how awesome Drew Holiday is like man that guy is good at, like international basketball I think he I know he had a rough finals but he also did like I just don't think we really appreciate some of the little things that go into winning enough uh, like at the NBA level um, because he obviously gave you know Chris Paul fits um, when, uh, when the Bucks were playing the the Suns and I think in uh in when it comes to winning time in the international game the Olympics you know Drew Holiday's out there making plays and man that, that guy is good that's what I just I would love to have him as a point guard could Jack I don't want to get too excited but could you imagine he is on the Raptors holy perfect smokes. fit perfect fit <laughs> like genuinely probably the perfect fit for the entire league um so on the on the men's side yeah I just uh, one thing I want to say is like Fournier's lack of composure in the gold medal game he he picked up like an on sporting in a very key time which is it shows that once again although these are superstar athletes uh big money getters um you know they're still human and and sometimes the stage can can get the best of them so that was that was interesting and and in a weird way like i'm sorry for fournier but like it kind of made me feel a little bit better that like yeah these guys aren't aren't perfect uh they still are, are human um and on the on the women's side i think uh the main thing, and I'm, I'm, I'm bitter, I guess, just a missed opportunity for our women's team to medal. I just, same with the men's. I just don't know if we, we have the right 
style of play um, that's conducive to winning. I think we tried too hard to kind of be the play the I guess North American or United States style of international basketball where not every team can match USA's athleticism. I think we're pretty close, but I think there's there's a different method to to go about it. And uh, yeah, it was just it was tough to see the the women's team, um, you know, go down a little bit early with with uh, with a just a poor performance overall. Um, you know, I think it's it's on all of us. Everyone that lives in Canada, we got to be better. Yeah, and sorry, Jay. Just I'm just gonna blurt in before you uh, give your takeaways. It was the Australians who got the bronze uh, in the men's division. I'm so sorry for forgetting uh, the Boomers getting their first ever Olympic medal in basketball. So won't happen again. Shout out to Australia. Sorry. Now you can go ahead, Jay. Well, that's actually the game that I kind of wanted to talk about is uh, Australia versus Slovenia and how uh, Luka Doncic does not medal at his first Olympics. But Luka seems like the kind of player that is going to be back and he's going to win medals for Slovenia in the future. And that's, I don't know if that's a hot take, a cold take. I don't know what kind of take that is. I just know that Luka Doncic is going to not only medal, but I think one day in the, in the near future, he's going to win gold for Slovenia. I think that he's that good and he can take over games, tournaments, Olympics, whatever he can take. He can take over anything that he wants to. He's that good. He's, he's the next big thing in the Olympics. And um, he averaged 28 and 10 over the group stage, which led um, any, any other player in the tournament. He really put the team on his back. And uh, yeah, I think that he's going to be like uh, a Carmelo, uh, Carmelo Anthony is to USA. Luke is going to be to Slovenia. No, I, I don't think that's a hot take at all, Jay. I mean, obviously I'm a big Luca fan, but what a player, man. And like, you, like you said, he takes over, he takes over games. And like in the first game, we saw that with the 40 plus point performance, but then he also took over the games without scoring too much. Like he was able to set up his teammates against teams who on paper might've been more talented um, in terms of NBA talent, elite pro talent. And he was able to set up these guys and just get easy buckets all game. He got triple doubles. I mean, he rebounded it so well and he was able to win these games for a team that supposedly was undermanned uh, talent wise by just doing everything on the floor. It was honestly, to me, it was reminiscent of like playoff LeBron when LeBron was a little bit younger. Like he didn't need to score every single possession to make a massive impact on the offensive end. And he was great defensively as well. I mean, he got a lot of big steals, clutch, clutch defensive plays. I mean, just what a player, what a future this guy has internationally and uh, domestically in the NBA as well. I I got it super easy. Oh, go ahead. Um, I got to push back a little bit. Like, look, I'm, I think Luca is, the best player in the world, especially offensively, or if he's not there, he's going to, he's going to be there. Like he's the guy, but watching him, I, you know, I guess nobody's ever perfect. It's kind of my theme, I guess, for today. but gosh, he gets so worked up with the referees. He's already doing everything offensively, defensively. So with the fourth quarter, he's so, he's putting so much energy into these, these calls that the referees are, or are not making. Um, that's not a good look. And I, like, I, I get it. He's young. He's fiery. He's competitive. He wants to win. But it's, it's the issues I had with LeBron. And as an Iverson guy, it was the same thing. Like, man, so many people are looking up to you. Like, you got to kind of try and hold your emotions in check a little bit more. And refs are human, too. If you're annoying the hell out of them all game, well, you know what? They may not give you that call at the end. So I, I hope. 
I don't know if it's the NBA or if it's just he's always been the best and he's used to getting, you know, um, fair treatment or, or, or uh, you know, better treatment from the officials. But, uh, yeah, I didn't enjoy watching his uh, – well, first of all, he's sweating like crazy, red-faced, and uh, it was – I don't know. Like, as great as he is, uh, there's still something he can improve on, and it has actually nothing to do with, with basketball. But I will be with you guys. Like, we want to bet on him, right, and, like, take, put 100 bucks on whatever team he's on every year uh, in, in the NBA to win the NBA Finals, and I bet you we'll, we'll – we'll, uh, we'll, worst case scenario we'll break even like we're not going to lose that bet if we do that 10 years you know we'll probably get two titles i think so yeah be prepared to cash that ticket but no i I agree with you caleb he does need to get his emotions in check like especially going forward in the nba too like with these new calls where you can't kick your feet out you can't jump backwards he's gotta stop complaining it's tough to watch even if you're a fan of him um it's like i mean the complaining, it just doesn't help. It doesn't help in any way. It doesn't help with your image. It doesn't help. It doesn't help the refs actually make the call. Um, so he, he's got to control that. It's, it's, it's tough to watch in terms of that. Um, but uh, no, it was incredible performances all around, especially from uh, Kevin Durant for the States. Um, the, the French team surprised a lot of people getting silver as well. Uh, so huge shout out to them. Fournier, as you said, wasn't the best in the final game, but he had a couple big games earlier in the tournament. And uh, my guy, Rudy Gobert, holding down the paint with that no defensive three-second violations. So I love to see that. Um, One last question about Olympic ball, though, I wanted to ask you guys. What did you think of the refing, like, as as a whole? Like, did you enjoy the lack of ticky-tack fouls and the lack of flops and stuff like that? And is that something you'd want to see implemented into the NBA? Loved it. Absolutely (laughs) loved it. And the, the flow of the game is so much easier to watch. Like, the NBA has to look at this and say... Um, the product is so much better. Now it's going to be really hard to do that without the, you know, 20 timeouts per half that the NBA takes for, you know, they need to need to make their money, but Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. Watching FIBA basketball. It just, the games are done in two hours. It's amazing. And yeah. And the refs don't take any shit. They just look, these rep, these guys from the NBA look at the refs. Like, Oh, I get that call in the league. You're like, well, yeah, we're not in the league right now. That's that's soft. Um, so I loved it. Jay, what do you think? Totally agreed. Took the words right out of my mouth. It was a, uh, it was a lot faster. The the flow was a lot smoother. Overall, like you said, better product, less less bitching and arguing. It was just straight basketball. If you if it was a clear foul, it was called a foul. If it wasn't, then it it wasn't. And it was uh, I like you said I I just um I I think that a lot of people would love to see this implemented into the league because one of the biggest thing that um, goes against the NBA is that they're full of drama queens and divas and all this stuff. And because they do, whether it's flop or complain to the refs all the time for every single call, I think that this would clean the game up so much more if they had the refs uh, like they do in international ball. Yeah, no, I agree with both of you for sure. And there, there was that hilarious video. I think it was in the first game or whatever when Lillard drove in and just like threw a layup over the top of his shoulder and then just like stared at the refs and the other team just went the other way and scored. It was hilarious. I mean, and, and I agree 100%. They need to do something in the NBA. And uh, you mentioned it briefly, Caleb, but how it was so awesome to like, okay, I'm going to go and watch a game tonight from at seven. Oh yeah, it's done by like 8.58. It's not, you don't, don't need to set aside three hours of my day to watch an entire game. So that was something that stuck out with me um, in terms of the FIBA, FIBA ball. So um, the Olympics was 
it was eventful. I mean, it was awesome to watch. Um, definitely a lot of high-level basketball being played. Um, and with that, let's move into free agency and the NBA offseason, a really huge talking point that we wanted to get to. Um, it's been a little bit uh, since all, most of the roster moves have been made, so we've had time to uh, digest it and figure out which signings we like the most, which signings we dislike, and uh, which teams we think will uh, be better off after free agency started. So, uh, Caleb, I'll start with you. What was your best signing of the offseason? Well, all of our listeners and you guys probably going to call me like a Nets fan for life now, but I, <laughs> you know, I just had that take that they're going to win the title. Um, and I, I do like Steve Nash, but uh, anyways, I thought they had the best signing. I think Patty Mills gives them great uh, Kyrie Irving insurance. The guy is, has been such a solid player for so long. He carries team Australia to a, to a bronze. Um, I know they have a lot of other players, but the guys played in a lot of big games um, and just another guy that, is gonna you know i mean like if joe harris was their fourth best player and you have patty mills as your as your fifth best player like that is that is trouble so i uh and they got a pretty reasonable deal i think it was two years 13 million um i think yeah that enough said patty mills is is great Kyrie insurance and an awesome guy off the bench for a team that already scores like crazy and he's not a bad defender which is totally going against the nets <laughs> philosophy um, but Patty Mills can actually defend and I, I'd like to see Patty get it, get a championship. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's the one for me. If, if let's say Kyrie stays healthy, you see Patty Mills getting some nods for the six man award. If he's able to, uh, play it at the level we know he can. Um, honestly, no, I don't think they'll use them much. I think they'll be smart enough that he, he won't get that many, that many minutes or like enough minutes. And I don't think he cares that much. I think he'll True. be cool with getting 12 or 13. Like I think, you know, Clarkson is, I would put it this way, Clarkson is going to get the numbers to be a, a six man, but who would I actually rather have coming off my bench to impact winning in a playoff series? It's Patty Mills. Like he, he's not just going to go out there. Like when Clarkson's on there, it's Clarkson's taking 60% of the shots or at least, you know, passing to, for like 90, like if he's not taking it the other 30% of the time, he's passing to the guy that ends up shooting like major ball dominant. Whereas I think Patty Mills, that spurs, uh, that Spurs uh, method or that style of play would just keep the ball moving and make the right play. I think that's uh, more conducive to, uh, to winning, but um, he, he would certainly get my vote. I just don't know if uh, they measure like what impacts winning. Like, like I do. Yeah. Very good points. Jay, who's your best signing? Uh, see this one, I, I had to think about it for a second, but then I'm like, I, I got to go with the grow Kyle Lowry to Miami. That was super, super easy. He adds veteran leadership and defense to that lineup and just makes them a super tough team to play against. And they're going to be a problem in the East. I mean, I think defensively, they're the best. I think they're the best defensive team in the league. Hands down right now. I think that defensively, no one can stop them. Lowry at the one um, you can Victor Oladipo or, or Duncan Robinson at the two. You got Jimmy Butler at the three PJ Tucker, new signing at the four and Bam Adebayo at the five. I think, no one can stop them defensively. And, and I think that Kyle will also be uh, able to um, teach all of the, the young guys. Cause you, you got to remember that Tyler hero, Duncan Robinson. Yeah. They're, they're, they, they're shooting guards, but they're still young guys. And Kyle Lowry has been in this league a long time. He's played with a lot of great players. He'll be able to teach him something. And then their new draft pick uh, RJ Nemhard, 
as well too so there's a lot of young guys in that locker room that can learn from Kyle and I think that he has brought that team to another level no I, I agree 100% as a Lowry fan that's a perfect addition for them I mean to play alongside Butler and all these young guys it's going to be an unreal I mean and, and Kyle's an underrated defender in his own right too he's a great elite defender at the one he's going to be yeah watch out for the heat he, is, fits, is, he fits that culture like yeah he fits that culture to a T I think that's the perfect team for him to go to and um, I think it, I, I would love to see him and Udonis has him on the floor at the same time at some point. <laughs> yeah, I think that, that would be absolutely uh, amazing. And, and I've already told, I've already told some people um, I'm going to get a, a Kyle Lowry Miami Vice jersey. I think it's, it's already a done deal. It's, a, it's, it's just got to happen. I, I agree 100%. My best signing is is it's not really a, so someone swapping teams, but it's the Hawks retaining John the Baptist Collins. I think this is huge for the Hawks because earlier in the season, there was a lot of uh, rumors and everything that there was unrest in the locker room and, and Collins wasn't a fan of how Trey was running the team offensively and stuff along those lines. So I was kind of expecting Collins to be uh, shopped around um, in terms of free agency. I was looking at him to the Celtics. I was looking at him all around the league. And then the, uh, the, the Woj bomb came out saying that he, he resigned for, an, I think, a four- or five-year deal. So I think that's huge for the Hawks. He's been great for them. He plays so well alongside Trey as the lob threat or even the pick-and-pop threat. Um, he's going to be great for them. He's only going to get better. He's another young guy, super athletic. Um, and without him, there would have been a real hole in the roster too. I mean, if you, like who's going to be there, there, there for if they lose Collins? It would be probably like Gallo, who's like, in his probably late thirties at this point. And then uh, Capella isn't a shooting threat at all. Um, he's a threat at the rim for lobs and stuff like that, but he doesn't really have his own offense. So I think Collins really helps that roster. You saw what they were able to do this year and bringing him back is only going to improve the, the Hawks. I mean, watch out for the Hawks in the future. I mean, I know they're your team, Jay, but you, you got like, a bright future for the Hawks going forward. Um, so with that, let's completely flip the switch. Uh, let's go to the worst signing of the off season. Uh, Jay, I'll start with you this time. What team do you think got the absolute shaft when it came to free agency and signed the worst player available? Philly, hands down. It's <laughs> got to be Philly. That was an awful signing. I'm not sure why Drummond Ooh. wanted to go there, and I'm not sure why Philly took him. Because Drummond wanted the starting position in L.A., and he couldn't even secure it against mediocre competition. And now he's going to go to Philly where he has a top three center in the league and try to battle him for for starting position it's just it's just not going to happen I, th I think it's very silly I don't think that's what they need uh there in Philly now now I do want to say that Philly did re-sign my boy Danny Green so very happy about that but Drummond to Philly I I don't get it yeah Kale, what did you think of the Drummond to Philly signing that's hilarious um <laughs> I think it's like just like punish them some more. Oh, you think you're going to, you know, you're, you're good. Well, here, go get the guy that owns you every time and be his backup and carry his, his suitcase off and on the plane. Um, and it's also funny for Embiid, like <laughs> you're going to have to put up with this guy that like learn to be a, a good teammate Embiid, because that's the one thing I like skill talent wise is amazing. I don't know if, if your style of leadership is conducive to being an NBA champion. So let's see if you can patch it up with some guy that you just shit on all the time uh, and see how you manage that. So yeah, really interesting. Uh, but yeah, I'm not a fan of signing. 
when I was looking over like all the free agent deals this morning for this pod, I was like, I, I kind of like glanced at it. I was like, I totally forgot that even happened, but it's like, it was kind of like the Horford to Philly one a little bit, but Horford made more yeah. sense because Horford can stretch yeah. the floor. Horford's a good defender in space. Like Drummond, like look at la- the, the season Drummond had last year. Like he was putting up huge numbers on an awful Cavs team. And then they decided to just sit him for the next 17 games. He was on my fantasy team. So I'm very mad about that to this day, but uh, <laughs> they sit him for 17 games. Then he gets, he gets bought out and goes to the the Lakers and loses his starting spot to Gasol. Who's like 39 and, and wasn't even playing that well. I mean, poor Drummond, honestly. And it, it like, he doesn't even suit their, their backup needs. Like th- that's not a, an elite shooting team. I mean, they got Danny green, they've right. got cork mess and stuff, but it's like, you're putting Drummond on the second unit or with run with the starters who are super not elite shooting the ball with Ben Simmons on the roster. But like, he just, I, I yeah, no, I, I, you guys took the words out of my mouth. It was a terrible signing. It was just so weird to me that that's where he ended up and almost on a low contract as well. So I wonder if he's trying to bounce back as a backup or something like that, but there was, there was two teams that he shouldn't have gone to Denver with Jokic there and Philly. And he went to one of them. <laughs> he, he literally could have gone to any other team and I'm sure they wouldn't, they're, they're able to figure it out. He's able to, to thrive, whether he's averaging 13 and 10, like whatever, 13 and 12. Um, but he goes to Philly where he's not going to get a lot of run and he's not going to, I don't think he's going to thrive because just like LA, Philly is a tough crowd to play in front of. They are oh, a yeah. tough fan base and they will get on your ass if you aren't doing well. Like, and, and they're known for that. So I just, I, I, I hope he does well. I pray that he does well. Mm-hmm. But I just don't think he will. I don't think that it's the right fit for him. Maybe we're just crazy and Daryl Morey's going to do Twin Towers and Bede and Drummond and they're going to be just the best low post team in the NBA history. But can't see that happening. So um, we're going to take another short break, uh, get this Zoom call refreshed. We get another 40 minutes of awesome content and we will be right back. All right, and we are back and in action. We just talked about Jay's worst signing of the offseason. Poor Andre Drummond going to the Sixers. Caleb, what's your worst signing? Okay, so one just worst player, kind of like Drummond, is Hassan Whiteside. I don't know why that guy's still in the league. He's terrible. He went to the Jazz. Like, he's there to, what, play two minutes and get four fouls and miss four shots. Um, anyways, that sucks. But, like, one that actually kind of matters that's surprising uh, is Ricky, Ricky Rubio going to Cleveland just does not fit with their timeline, kind of like Drogic and the Raptors. Um, but I think they'll be moving him again or Sexton or, or uh, Garland. They, they must. I just, yeah, I don't know how, how it fits. And he's, he's still pretty good. His poor guy has been moved around so many times. So, um, yeah, Whiteside, I think anyone that signs him, is like, you can do better. Uh, but Rubio and just, like, kind of a surprise, I'm not sure what, what they're doing there. No, I, I agree. Whiteside, he's just a waste of a roster spot at this point, in my opinion. I, mean, you got, I like, like Whiteside, man. <laughs> I like him. I was, I was a big fan of him in, uh, in Miami. Yeah, because he, he got like those three block triple doubles. And then it's like, that's why he gets signed like to this day. But no, he, he has the shot blocking ability. He just can't like put it all together. Uh, but my worst signing is, is a hot take, to be honest. And I think it's Chris Paul getting a four-year, $30 million deal with the Suns. I mean, so let, hear me out first before you instantly condemn my, my take. But 
So, so Chris Paul, he was fantastic this year. Obviously the Suns were amazing. They got to the finals. Um, he was in my opinion, their best player, not Booker. Um, but look at this contract structure. He's getting 30 million a year. He's getting like as much as these guys who are still at the absolute top of their game, like KD, like James Harden, like he's getting that sort of money until he's 40 years old. In his last year of the deal, he'll be 40 years old, getting paid 30 million a year, which is 30% of the salary cap in the NBA right now. I know it's not a hard cap, but even still, you got a 40-year-old point guard who has had troubles with injuries in the past. Um, in this year's playoffs and in like five playoffs in a row, like in the 2010s. And he's going to be 40 years old and he's going to be taking up 30% of your cap when all these great role players, like you mentioned earlier, Caleb, like Mikhail Bridges, like why well, not Jay Crowder because he's old, but like Cam Johnson, like these young guys who are going to be coming into contract years. And the Suns are obviously going to want to retain them. They're obviously going to re- want to retain Booker and Ayton, who are going to be deserving of huge contracts as well. And I think this this contract just doesn't screw them over, but it's going to make it a lot harder for the Suns to retain these young uh, role players and, and attract role players who are looking for a decent contract with Chris Paul taking up so much of the cap. And, and I mean, we'll see how he continues to play at, at such an advanced age. No offense, Caleb. I know you're around this, around this. <laughs> but is there the, a player and, option? I, I believe on maybe on the fourth year, but I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, if I there think, is a player option, I mean, I would take it if I was him when I'm 40. Yeah, I think there there is some wiggle room with this fourth year that the Suns maybe like get out of. Um, but yeah, that's a lot of money for. Once again, he already was against all odds this year with his performance. So. Yeah, and last year as well with OKC. I mean, he yeah. he he overachieved. Well, air quotes overachieved because he was still just as good. But I, I just think this is a contract that the Suns might not look back on fondly in a few years, especially when he's 40 years old. Um, but so now we're going to move into the best low key signing of the off season. So a player that might not jump out of, at you as a, as a big name free agent, but someone who's the perfect fit for the team that got them and is definitely going to help them uh, improve this season. Caleb, I'll start with you this time. Who's your best low key signing? Oh, I love this guy. The more I read about him, the more I see him. Uh, Ishmael Wainwright, the Raptors got him from, some uh, league in Germany, I believe. Really interesting guy. Played for Baylor. He's only 6'5", uh, but he looks like he's 270 out there. The guy is massive. But what stands out to me is he can defend. He plays smart. Um, he can take any minutes that I even thought about giving to Baines last year. Um, I mean, I feel like he would do better in all aspects. Uh, sorry, Baines. You don't escape it. Uh, but no, the I was sold on him. It was a random moment in a summer league game. It was like their third game maybe second quarter, like not a lot on the line, but he, him and a teammate, I think it was Matt Morgan, um, had a little miscommunication or he, he sent a pass and they went out of bounds. It was a turnover. It was, it was on Wainwright. And this thing that he did, he just went over to Morgan, talked to him a little bit, patted him like on the back of the head, kind of like just got over it and moved on. And like that shit to me is so important. Like it, that's what I look for. And, in players that I try and recruit is like who really cares and is trying to help teammates win never will show up on a stat sheet, but I was all in then. And then I saw his like seven, nine wingspan and how, how big he is. I think he just, he plays hard. He, he suits the Raptors. He's uh, a, you know, could be a, a PJ Tucker type, but I think he's even longer in wingspan. Um, interesting fact. He was a good enough athlete that he got invited to Buffalo Bills training camp. And he was almost wow. uh, an NFL player as a tight end before he, 
went back and tried the basketball route overseas. And now um, I think he, he is signed. I don't know if he is a two-way contract, but I, I hope to see him on the Raptors roster. Love it. Uh, biased and everything. I know we're Raptors guys here, but super excited to see him on the, on the team. Yeah, 100%. Jay, what, what about you? What's your best low-key signing? Well, we cut... I kind of touched on him earlier, but I, I still think that this is the best Loki signing and I'm so excited for him. And that's Carmelo Anthony to the Lakers. I think it's his best shot to win a ring since Denver. Um, obviously he had some heavy hitters on, on that, on those Denver teams with, yeah, Allen Iverson, Caleb's guy, um, J.R. Smith, uh, Kenny Martin. He had all these uh, amazing players. And, and back in the day, I thought that he was going to win a ring there, but um, I think that he has a really good chance to win one with the Lakers and with LeBron. And now that LeBron is um, refreshed, he's re-energized. He's, he's had a little bit of a break, um, his first break in, in a long time. So I think that this is his best shot to get a ring. And I think that he's really going to solidify the guys off the bench and uh, going to be playing with one of his uh, best friends in, in LBJ. So uh, La La Land got a good one for sure. Yeah, you mentioned it briefly there, but I think he can provide just instant offense off the bench, which is something the Lakers really lacked last year with whenever LeBron and AD sat down. I mean, Melo can still score in a phone booth. He can still score on anybody. Um, he's going to definitely be a great addition to the roster. That's a great pick. Um, my best low-key signing, um, I, I wanted to touch on Patty Mills, but that, I guess that's not that low-key. Um, I want to talk about Rudy Gay to the Jazz a little bit. I, I, I'm a big Rudy Gay fan. Um, even as he gets older, he's still playing great minutes for the Spurs, his last contract. He didn't score a lot, but he was able to defend, put the ball in the basket a little bit. Um, so I think that's a good pickup. But my, my, my most low-key one is Devontae Graham to New Orleans. I mean, New Orleans, they, they lost Lonzo to the Bulls. Um, so they really were lacking like a true point guard. Um, and Devontae Graham, he had a little bit of an off year last year after a breakout year the year before for Charlotte. Um, but I think he's going to be a great pickup for this team. As he ages, I think his efficiency will go up. Turnovers will go down once his experience gets a little bit higher. And then he's also a great shooter. So he's going to stretch the floor for a team that really needs spacing with, with their best player in Zion Williamson uh, being just a monster in the paint and not really being that much of an outside threat. Um, so I think him with the Zion pick and roll will definitely be an elite option for the Pelicans going forward. And I think he'll be good alongside young guys like Nikhil Alexander-Walker as well, and even Brandon Ingram too. I mean, both guys can shoot the lights out. Um, he should be able to find JV down low pretty consistently. He's a good passer as well. Um, so I definitely think uh, Devontae Graham is the best low-key signing from this offseason because um, he wasn't a guy that was really talked about too much because he had that down year when he was moved to the bench behind LaMelo. But the year before, he was averaging 18 points a game. So he's someone who can score, someone who can definitely shoot the long ball. So shout out to Devontae Graham. Um, and finally, the last bit we're going to talk about um, in terms of free agency is which team had the best offseason and is looking to improve the most uh, in this next year. Jay, we'll start with you. Which team had the best offseason in your opinion? Oh, that's tough because I, to me, I think the, the Hawks had the best draft. Um, I, thought, I think they got the two best players and, and that have shown up so far. Um, but for the best signings, I'd say either the Heat or the Knicks. Um, I believe the Knicks signed a lot of their 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 uh, top players. I think they signed Derrick Rose. They signed Julius Randle. I believe they signed uh, oh Kemba, Evan For uh, Evan Fournier. They've signed um, a lot Nerland's of Noel guys. Nerlens Noel too. Yeah. Oh, he's he's suing Rich Paul. So um, <laughs> I, I don't know how I feel about that. But um, hey, man, get your bag. But yeah, I think that the Knicks um, 
this was a, a great year for them to get all of their their top guys signed to make another run um, in the Eastern Conference and, and in the whole league this upcoming season. I still think that they're going to get beat by my Hawks once again um, because the fans at MSG are straight trash. Um, but yeah, I think that they had the um, one of the best uh, off seasons that they've had in a while. Yeah, Caleb, what about you? Which which team do you think improved the most? Uh, this was tough. I had a I had a few. Um, so my Brooklyn Nets almost did it, but uh, because I love their draft and the signing of Patty Mills, they got guys in coming get minutes. But I'm going to dock them because they lost two key coaches in um, Emmy Udoka. It was coaching the Celtics. I think that's, I don't know if that's how you say his name, but they lost him. He's on their system and also Mike D'Antoni. So losing uh, guys from your staff, um, it's never good. In football, it really affects teams too uh, when you lose good assistants. So uh, they had a really good offseason though, but I think that dings them. So I'm going to go with consistency and like, kind of like the Knicks, the Bucks got all their key guys back and they're going to get DiVincenzo back. They got a little taste of success. Um, they drafted a guy in the second round, Mamish Kavili or Sandro Mamish Kavili, who is a very intriguing 6'10 guy that can can shoot and handle a little bit. Um, so I'm going to go the Bucks. They're the NBA champs, and they didn't they didn't get any worse. In fact, I think they're going to be even stronger next year. So uh, it's them. Honorable mention to the Raptors because I love what they're doing with uh, the defense, and also for excitement portion charlotte hornets got athletes and youth and if you guys want a fun up and coming team the hornets are, are are that and the best colors in the league i think they got a looker in kelly Oubre in the offseason as well so i i do agree with you caleb about the 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 or excuse me jay with about the knicks i think the knicks had a great offseason um and obviously i'm biased but i gotta go with the raptors to be honest i mean you look at the fourth overall pick in scotty barnes i talked about it earlier i gave him a glowing review i stand by it they got a bunch of other good guys like your boy Wainwright, Caleb. Um, they got Malachi's coming into his own. And then they also, people forget that they got Precious Achua and Goran Dragic. I mean, I, I'm mad at Dragic for the comments on the Slovenian website that he made. But, I mean, if he is going to play for them, he's a great player. He's still, he can, he's still an elite, uh, or, well, he's still a borderline elite point guard in the NBA at this point, despite his age. Um, he's going to be great trade bait probably at the deadline for them. And Achua looked great in the summer league. He does look amazing. He yeah, he looked, he looked awesome offensively and defensively, and, he, and that's exactly what they needed. I, they needed a backup five to back up Kem Birch or even bump Kem Birch to the bench because um, Boucher is going to be at the four, in my opinion. Um, so I think Achua was a huge pickup for them. And to get something out of Kyle Lowry when Lowry was not going to end up on your roster the next year is huge. Signing trades are awesome, um, especially as, as a Raptors fan who didn't want to see Kyle go. It is much, much better than uh, seeing him go for free. So I, I got to go with the Raptors. Um, also, Pascal Siakam too, man. Pascal, yeah. I think Pascal's going to have a big year this year. I don't know why. I just think that um, after last year's disappointment, I think that uh, he's going to have a big comeback year. Yeah, he heard those trade rumors. He's like, uh-oh, I better perform. He's like, I'm not going to Sacramento. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky him. Um, also want to give a show, uh, you said it too, Jay, but the, the Heat, the, I mean, the Heat are going to be just absolutely animals on defense. And then also the Bulls. Um, I, I'm not a big Lonzo fan, but he, he's, a, he's a decent starting point guard in the league right now. And they add DeMar DeRozan next to an elite scorer in Zach Levine. And they managed to get, uh, I know this wasn't during the offseason, but they managed to get Nikola Vucevic last year as well, who is a great center. I, I mean, he might not fit the the new NBA style, but he can score down low. He can shoot the ball really well for a seven footer and he's huge. I mean, he's a good rebounder. 
I think the Bulls will uh, definitely be a playoff team this year. Um, but I, I think they had a good offseason as well. Um, so just to wrap up here, where do you guys have the Raptors finishing next season? Jay, go. I think that they're just going to miss the playoffs. I think they're going to be in the the um, maybe the 10th or 11th spot. Um, unfortunately, like, hey, man, I, I'm as big as Raptors fan as, as anyone, but um, just the the amount of teams that got better in the East and how little that the Raptors have right now in, in a guy that I know that you, you just spoke highly of him, Goran Dragic, but if he, if he doesn't want to be there, then he's not going to put, to me, he's not going to put his all into the season, but um, that's just my opinion. I, I just think that the East is, is monster right now. And I think it's going to be tough for them to, to make a playoff, maybe a play in game, but I don't think that they'll make the playoffs this year. Caleb, where do the Raptors finish? Ooh. Jay, they're making it. They're going to be the seventh seed. So they're, it's going to be Bucks and Nets, one and two. Um, some combo of the Hawks, Heat, Sixers, the next five. And then it's going to be them and the Knicks. And no the love for the Pacers. The Bulls and Pacers, I was going to say. Oh. And even the Hornets are all in there. But I think like, the Raptors still have winning pedigree. Like they, they competed their asses off last year in tough circumstances. I think they're, they're better than the Knicks still. Um, so, so yeah, I think, I think seven, seven is the, is the goal. I, I agree, Caleb. I had them at seven as well. When I, when I saw that question, I think they're going to get there. Well, first of all, if they stay healthy and if they're playing in Canada, which was actually confirmed a few days ago, yeah. they will be playing uh, in Toronto, which is huge for them. But I think they make it just on sheer grit and defense alone. Um, they, they, Pascal Siakam, to me, isn't a first option in the NBA just yet in terms of scoring. I mean, we'll see what happens this year. Um, it, to me, it really rides on if Freddie can average around 20 a game consistently every night as the main uh, guard focal point of the other team's defense. And then if they actually are able to defend like we are predicting they can. If they can defend uh, like, they are, like we think they can, they're going to get huge stops. They're going to be uh, they're going to be unreal on the defensive end, and that's how they're going to get there. They're going to be, make teams work for every single basket. I think they're going to be in a lot of 95-90 games, and I'm quite okay with that. I think they're going to end up as the seventh seed um, as well. I think there's there is a lot of talent in the East right now, um, but Toronto they have the talent as well, and they've been there before, like you said, Caleb. They have that winning pedigree. They know how to do it, and they're going to be hungry after such a crappy season last year. There's no way they're going to settle to be a borderline playoff team, in my opinion, for sure. Yeah, agree, um, 100% agree. But with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of the Loyal to the Game podcast. It's been a pleasure to be back after a little bit of a hiatus. Um, so on behalf of Caleb and Jay, we want to say thank you so much for listening. This has been episode nine. Uh, everyone go out there and buy a Kyle Lowry Miami jersey support K-Low, um, even though he isn't on the Raptors anymore. But thanks for listening. Everyone take care and have a great day.